now, welcome back to the Relative Run Readiness Podcast. R3. R3, baby. If if you have not heard already, you should listen to our last podcast. We talked about why we are focusing on the Relative Run Readiness, why we're niching down to this category. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what is actually the phases, the stages of relative run readiness. Now, this is something you can use in your progressions, whether or not you are using our program, which, you know, we'd love it if you would, but you can still use these concepts, these ideas. And if you do have any questions about these phases, we'd be happy to get your emails and your questions, and we can actually go over those questions for everyone to listen to, especially if you have a question most likely a lot of other people do too. So generally what I look at is if I get a similar question or the same questions more than a few times, and I think it's something that a lot of people want to hear about. So definitely give us your questions from that. And Chad, where can they email us? Well, they can find us online at pendolaproject.com. And on there, there's a contact form, or you can email us directly at pendolatraining at gmail.com. P-E-N-D-O-L-A. Yeah, man. So we want to just talk a little bit about what it is we've been up to, what we've been doing. So about five minutes of of banter. You can skip ahead if you don't want to listen to Chad's life. Can I do two minutes of banter? You can do five. I can do. I'll. You can do about 35 probably. Say I'll do like 30 minutes and then you'll cut it down to three. But uh, Chad, just uh, talking a little bit before the podcast about what we've been up to, I was I had this great idea that you were going to crew me in my ultra running races that in theory would be coming up later this year. Can I do that on a segue? Yeah, on a, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, these these mountains, they're no joke. You you have to be in really good condition, and if I'm going to have somebody crew me then they need to actually do a fair amount of training to get to that point. And I don't know if I've convinced you to do that yet, but I'm trying to sell that idea to you because uh, there are certain parts of an ultra course, guys, if you're not familiar, that you're definitely going to use a partner if you can, somebody to help you get through those parts of the course, especially at night and when it's easy to get lost, especially after you've been running for several miles. So this is something that I'm talking to, to chat about, although I will say probably the majority, if not all of my racing this year would be 50 K to 50 miles. Mm -hmm. And so still nice to have somebody to crew you for those things. And we went way back, I think 15 years ago or so now where you were on a racing team that I put together for the Reno Tahoe Odyssey, which is Mm -hmm. here in Reno. Mm -hmm. And we, we, uh, we did win our division. We were we were quite fast, I think. But you were on that team as well, and you got in good running shape. You're a good athlete overall. Well, that's um, kind of you to say, Matthew. Yeah. Well, you are. You're you're a good athlete. You definitely pick up progressions quickly. But you know, you've been very active your entire life. And I remember we were out on this mountain run where it was just raining and sleeting. Oh, the on brave us. heart run. The brave heart run, uh-huh. and you started doing this great. Uh, Mel Gibson or Braveheart impression about uh, you know how how you killed fifty men or something. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I still call that course the Braveheart course <laughs> to this day. It's the Braveheart run. It was crazy. It was like if you've ever seen that movie, uh, and it's one of my favorites. Um, th- there's this this 
montage scene where he's training to fight and he's like running across these mountain ridges in uh in ireland or scotland i guess and uh you know it just had that feeling to it it's all rainy and gross like it is there oftentimes and uh and it's not here very often here in reno um but it just felt that way and we've been running for a long time and i forget what we ran like 15 miles or 17 miles or some stupid thing like that i don't even know um but you're talking about me crewing you on this ultra or some ultras or whatever and you know my first question is um when when can i quit can you're, I... <laughs> you're you're not allowed to quit that's the thing is i'm gonna want to quit and you got to be the person see already i'm losing faith in this whole we might have a broken system here <laughs> my, my crew guy wants to quit already uh yeah no uh that's the thing is all seriousness i know that you won't let me quit um, it's not really in my vocabulary. <laughs> when we last episode, we were talking about this dang horse that I was putting <laughs> together this horse puzzle thing, crystal thing, and doing it with my daughter. And it's it's funny because she gets to the point where she's like, "Daddy, I you know I think we're done. Like we've tried to do this several times, and and it keeps falling apart." Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm literally saying to her, "We don't quit. We don't quit." <laughs> And it just, it goes from fun into a whole thing. And I end up apologizing to her afterwards and saying, you know what, daddy shouldn't push it. Like you, you would rather do something else. We should do that. Uh, But I don't like to quit. So, uh, but, uh, but, but with races like this that I'm talking about, um, that's exactly why I want to do the races because I don't know um, for sure that I can finish, you know, it's until you've actually done it. I, I don't know. And, um, yeah, I've done, I did a 50 mile race one time and wait, 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 you don't know if you can finish. This is the guy, didn't you run so hard one time? Like your innards fell out your butthole. Okay. <laughs> no. Didn't, didn't that happen don't, to you? No, didn't that happen to me? You're crazy. Oh my goodness. I think you're thinking about you dated this one uh ultra runner and she was really good. Um I remember she like basically won everything she entered like locally. Yeah. Named uh Mary and she was she was really tough. Um and so she she came running up behind me. We weren't running together, but in the ultra uh world, she's just out there for hours. And I didn't know how long she's out there for, but I just saw her and I waved at her like from one crest to the other, but then realized getting down to the last like three miles that we were going to be on the same trail. Uh-huh. And I have to admit, you know, ego and stuff, but I didn't want her catching me. And she was, like I said, she was winning everything at the time. And sure enough, I saw her winding the bend. She definitely was running faster than (laughs) when I initially saw her. You could see the difference in her her gait and stuff. So I'm like, oh, she's trying to catch me. So I was exhausted at that point. I don't know how long I was out there for, but I do know it was hot. And I'm a bigger runner like um you know weight wise um about 170 pounds so that's that's a little bit more mass to carry for long distance and so anyways i paid the price and i i i ended up uh 
you know, I was uh, peeing blood. That's mm. what happened. And mm -hmm. I, I, I did, I did finish before Mary could catch me. Um, <laughs> and I don't know that that Feather in the cat. exactly. But when I saw Mary, um, you know, getting into the car and driving right to the hospital, <clears throat> um, <laughs> you were driving right to that. I was, Not yeah, Mary. because I was, I, I. I uh, peed and I saw blood and I was like, okay, that's not good. I pushed it way too hard today. I'm just going to go get checked out. And uh, But then I saw Mary and she was completely fine. And I think she was actually running past me and still going, you know. <laughs> So like, I don't know what I was thinking. So that's the story you're thinking about. Nothing mm -hmm. out of nothing mm -hmm. from my butt. Um, but and this is a family channel, so we'll keep it at that. But uh, what what I wanted to talk about a little bit more for today is is phases and, and why we create the phases we do, especially when it comes to strength training. There's so much to know, and of course with the influences out there. Again, you know, this is the anti-influence podcast in some ways. And I say that not because I'm a hater, but again, because there is so much misinformation, sometimes even really great um, programs and coaches will still have a little bit of that information without understanding or realizing that it doesn't serve everybody. And maybe for right. some people it does. Maybe. So misinformation, there's a lot around that word. It's not necessarily that the movement is bad, for example. It's just that maybe that movement isn't right for you now or possibly ever. Right. So learning to do what's best or what's optimal for your body starts with, you guessed it, optimization. <laughs> So I call it your optimization um, protocol and phase. And this is where we start looking at your you-know-when 10. So these are 10 different um, assessments that we look at and that we do in order to figure out what your body needs mechanically and, first. And, and what are you looking at in those, in those 10 movements? Yeah, um, so this is a really hard question to answer because why I say that is because what I'm looking at for years and years, it's just, I took that and I said, okay, I'm looking at how, let's just stick with the hips. I'm looking at how the hips are steering in these positions. So you take a balancing movement or you take something that is resembles your running gait. Okay. And you have your swing leg and I'm looking at how the hips are steering with that swing leg. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would take that and say, okay, I can see that there's a restriction and there's an internal rotation issue that we have maybe in that hip. And so here are some movements that we can do to help to correct that. So I kind of referred to it as a corrective exercise bridge, bridging us from where we are to where we want to be and getting control to steer those hips. And I'm currently working with the world champion. She um, is, she's amazing, obviously. Um, but looking at just simple, simple things there where can we get those hips to steer 1% so wait, 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 you're yeah. telling me that, that the world champion in, um, triathlon, triathlon, yeah. mm -hmm. um, she didn't pass the assessment. Right. Yeah. Uh, there were actually several tests that I would just call, I don't like fail. Um, oh, right. I don't right, like right. that word. We use uh, optimal. Yep. 
or and, non-optimal or less optimal or less yeah. optimal yep there's right. kind of a, there is an in-between too and so this is i'm glad you brought up this point because first of all you can you can take this test for free you go um onto our ott platform and we'll explain how to do that so there's no cost involved for you to figure out where you're at and see if this test can help you because not only do we have tests that are kind of hard to explain on the um you know over the air right mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. but these tests have videos to them not only that but if you are non-optimal or less optimal in area it has the follow-up movements to do the protocol the protocol and i'm very excited to say that we will have our our very good friend and but also business partner bill rogers he went through these tests he went through the assignments just as if he was kind of a beta tester and just as if he was completely new to the program and even at his level because he's at a much higher level um, than he was a few years ago before we started working with him even at his level going through these tests and going way back to the basics so i kind of call it the miyagi method right mm -hmm. and just focus on these basics even though we knew he could do more we said why not start off 2021 just with the basics and do nothing else so we can really see how much of a difference does this make right and uh, long story short i mean he tested he tested through the roof one month later and when i say through the roof like definite differences in his optimization, in his mechanics. So what are we looking for? Sticking with the the hips, okay? Yeah. Steering the hips so that the hips are essentially forward, okay, as, as you're running. So in other words, we don't have the hips swiveling all over the place and losing a lot of our power. But that affects the ankles. So we restored range in his ankles by focusing on partially the hips and in other words in a lot of programs oh you have an ankle issue everything's about the ankle well it should be some about the ankle too. at least some yeah right and and that's the beauty of the tests is that he was not optimal in some of the uh, positions that had nothing to do at least to uh, let's say somebody who doesn't know anatomy or doesn't know the how everything is linked together, connecting the dots. And why should you, right? That's right. that's our job to know that. That's my job to know that. And it took me uh, 20 years to get a clue on really what works. So what I love about this though, is that we actually found thoracic extension to be a very important piece of his puzzle that helped to unlock his hips, which in turn unlocked uh, the ankle and went through the roof. So the majority of what he did was actually in thoracic extension. Not his ankle. Right. Right. Uh, and, and thoracic extension for maybe people who don't know, I mean, what, what, what part of the body is that? Yeah. So if you reach your hand over your head, okay, and you, t or your hands, okay, and you reach over your head, that's creating a thoracic extension. Okay, um, so the thoracic basically just being, uh, if you think of your rib cage and everything essentially connected to, uh, through that rib cage on the back side of your body is where we focused with Bill on. And so when he was doing that originally, his ribs in the front would flare a little bit out 
So in other words, we're looking at his breathing patterns there to get more of his lower ribs to internally rotate when he worked on focused breathing patterns, which is built into the program. Mm -hmm. And what we see is a lot of people think they have good thoracic extension, but yet they have poor communication and poor rotation. So they focus on thoracic rotation, right? So instead of thinking of your hand over your head with running, when your arms are in their swing pattern, okay, we call it, we we try to focus on what we call a compact uh, swing pattern there with the arms. There needs to be rotation through your thoracic spine, but in your lower spine, you want anti-rotation there. So essentially, you want stability. Mm-hmm right from that lower spine and into the hips and you want to have mobility in the upper spine but i have found that we don't gain much out of just focusing on thoracic rotation because that's where we think we have our limitation what we want to focus on is thoracic extension which helps to unlock the rotation and at the same time you're doing movements that require stabilization of the lower spine so that hopefully makes sense to everybody listening. I also want to mention, though, that these these videos that are in the program that are automatically built in, it says, okay, now you just do this. Since you were non-optimal here, you just do this in this pattern, mm-hmm. and then you progress, you go into more active patterns, and then you finish with integrative patterns. Because, because for each... Uh, um uh, sort of segment, whether it's the ankle or the hip or the shoulder, there's the the test or in in most cases two or three tests you you want to take and see if you're optimal or less optimal or non-optimal. There are three uh, movements in the protocol progression. Yes. To do so, you yep. start out with the optimization, then you go into activation, then you go into integration. That's right. And and the reason why, guys, is because if you think about this. When you are starting off with optimization, it's the very basics. And I hear this constantly, all the time. I thought this was going to be easy. When I looked at these movements, I thought, okay, I mean, I do these kind of things all the time with a lot more weight or with a lot more uh, vigor, we'll say, right? Mm -hmm. Robust type of movements. And then I threw in the breathing pattern that you recommended. And all of a sudden, this movement became quite difficult. And not only that, but because the movements are assigned to you because of how you tested, those movements are not as easy in general as you would think because they're targeting restricted areas. Right, right. And you, how do you get unrestricted is by using what we call reciprocal inhibition. Okay, so in other words, if one area is tight or restricted on you, you're using the opposing let's say less active area okay that's supposed to be doing its job you're using that to strengthen a position which allows the restricted oftentimes tighter area to release or Mm -hmm. to stretch if you will and so i call it strength stretching a lot of times too where you're in these positions that are quite difficult for you to contract in and what happens is you start getting strong exactly in the areas that need the strength and need the attention. So that being said, if you go through the program and you go from that optimization to activation, now activation is where the breathing patterns change a little bit. There's 
a less time to pause and hold, but we still hold for two to four seconds. But we go into these positions with a little bit more uh, weight or a little bit more resistance, uh, whether it be just gravity and, and positions where it's harder for your body to get into these ranges, mm-hmm. but you can do it. Well, there, there's also uh, tut too, right? Yep. Time under tension. Time under tension. That's part of it. Yep. Yep, exactly. And, and the time under tension is important because I've done a lot of research and also just talking and communicating to some phenomenal um, physical therapists like Jessica Dorrington, who will be on the podcast. I'm excited. She's going to be on the Ooh, podcast nice. a couple of weeks. One of the top pelvic floor PTs I, I, in the country for sure, probably in the world as well. Mm-hmm. And I get to work with her because of Gwen. And so that's really exciting to share this information um, with PTs like her and then to see what she recommends. And uh, I've learned so much on how much time under tension is uh, most productive or most relative for an optimization protocol. And then how much time under tension is better once we start to add a little bit more resistance or mechanical loading. So finally, we finish with integrative patterns, which essentially uh, is another way to think of it that now we're getting the ankle, the hip, and the thoracic to really communicate and work together all at once. So we kind of take it in stages. And I believe that that's the beauty of it is we sort of start very basic, then we add a little bit of complexity, and then we finish with a much more, uh, I kind of focus on what I I would refer to as athletic anchors. Mm Mm-hmm. So oftentimes you're on your feet. Sometimes you're not because there's positions where it definitely requires a lot of communication athletically. Um, when you're say in a bear crawl, when you're on your hands and on your feet, but you're crawling and that takes a lot of, um, good communication. And, um, those are, those are things that connect the dots really well. And so then we might go into now say a running gate type of pattern on your feet once you have gone through these other progressions. So it takes anywhere from say three weeks to maybe six weeks. And for some people, maybe even longer. The beauty I think of this programming is that you will retest every fourth week. And at least that's what we suggest you do. And it's all designed ahead of time for you that you just follow those steps. Then you're going to retest and see where you're at. Now you look at somebody like Bill, I'm excited to have him on. He'll talk about where his progressions are, but we are now well past his optimization and focusing a lot more on his activation movements. Mm -hmm. And to, to look at that test that he did from the first day to the fourth week shows how quickly we can make adjustments when we focus on those basics, but daily. Right. And now that we're uh, moving along, eventually what happens is the protocol that he's doing will change a bit because he retests and see, okay, I'm now optimal in these areas that I was non-optimal in before, or I'm I'm now less optimal, but I used to be non-optimal. So you can see that progress. And he was quite excited and I was excited for him. So looking at that and why this program works, even if you're not following these steps, or even if you're not doing our particular OTT program, what I really 
um, encourage every person to do. And I oftentimes say athlete because runners are definitely athletes. It takes a lot of coordination to, to run and glide really when you're running. So taking those steps, not feeling like you're losing too much. I just want to bring up um, just one scenario. We're going to this weekend, we're going to go work at a camp with the junior elites. And these, uh, these athletes are amazing young men and women that training for the Olympics, training for the Olympics one, one day, it won't be this year that yeah. they're going to the Olympics, but we're looking at in four years, possibly some of them, maybe in eight years, that kind of thing. But yeah, they're on an Olympic development program. And they're, they're quite good. Obviously, a lot of them have already won national titles and things like that. But one, one young man in particular went through this phase work first and then went into what we call spinal tap work, which is that's a follow through phase after the first couple months. He went through some phases that were more mechanically uh, loading on his on his spine, okay, but in advantageous positions. So that is where I'm very passionate too about we need to load and we need to be mechanically very strong. We need to follow these kind of progressions. We, we should not be afraid of loading. We should not be afraid of lifting heavier, but we should learn the steps and we should be very confident in these movements before we start doing that. And it starts with breathing. So with him, I was very confident that if we got him stacking or when we got him stacking with his running, so that essentially means that all the joints are stacked on top of each other so that he can run more efficiently. And he wasn't doing that. He was quite strong. He was using way more muscle than he was connections. Mm -hmm. And so that gets into a whole thing about intramuscular communication. You can think of it, I think of like international, you know, it's like throughout the whole globe, right? That's like intramuscular, right? So he finally was able to use his breathing patterns efficiently, stacking his body. Now he had already gained a lot of strength in the past. It just wasn't communicating. So he was doing 530 or excuse me, 520 mile repeats. So that's very fast. And those of you listening, like I would love to say that I can still do that, but that's, that's, that's really fast. And when, uh, you take somebody of that level, but he wants to be to go to the Olympics one day, you know, that's not going to cut it. So, uh, his, his dad had, um, done a great job coaching him to that point. And when I talked before about influencers, I think, you know, his dad had some great influencers. I've talked to his dad in the past and realized that we had a lot of the same influencers, you know, yeah. love talking to him about, uh, the seventies and eighties and nineties where I really had, um, a lot of, I had a, a Bill Rogers and, you know, a, a lot not of these. Not our Bill Rogers. Not, Different no, Bill yeah, Rogers. The, right. The, the great marathoner Bill Rogers and, and a lot of these great coaches that I followed along with. Um, I, was, I was following along with similar programming at this kid's age. And I was able to run 1447 for the 5K when I was um, 15. So that, that put me on the map. And what happened after that was unfortunate because... I was following Bill Rogers' program. Now, that's more my fault than anybody's, but I read his book and I wanted to be just like him. I always wanted to do longer stuff. Even when I was in high school, I wanted to do the marathon. I, I just really look up to those guys. So 
my my uh, story wraps around this fact that this kid was doing, I think, more than he needed to be doing, and he wasn't mechanically sound to get to that next level. So that's when we started to have some issues with his foot and et cetera. So we're, we're starting to now talk about things like the windless mechanism and those gait patterns that we'll talk about in more detail in future podcasts. But he just did another uh, quality session. It's also kind of serves as a test to where he's at. Mm-hmm. And so he went from five 20 mile repeats, uh, to four 50 mile repeats. Yeah. And that's after doing the, um, self-assessment, you know, when 10 self-assessment going through his protocol progression, uh, which is based off that assessment, what he scored less optimal, non-optimal in. And then he went into the next phase, which is spinal tap. Yes. And the important thing, uh, to, to talk about here. And I think it's good because his, his dad, again, trusted that we were going to do what was best for his son. But I think he got probably a little bit nervous that, man, this is so different. And by the way, he was doing in his protocol, he was doing a lot of, uh, you're doing a lot of the same things for a reason. You're doing uh, protocol every day for 12 minutes or so and twice a day if possible. Yeah. But these these movements we want to master. So we don't want a lot of muscle confusion. We actually want to get very very good at these particular movements. And so once he was do that and especially tying in his breathing, then he said, you know, this it felt easy. Like it felt like And running that much faster, I mean, you you look at somebody that might be, say, running a seven-minute mile or a nine-minute mile, and that you'll see even bigger chunks taken off of their time because they have more they can take off. So at that level, to go from 520 to to 450, I'm beyond happy and ecstatic for him. But again, like this conversation gets sparked around the idea that less can really be more. And now I'm not opposed to him doing more because he's more sound. Right. And so that's now where we say, okay, now we can probably handle more volume. We have increased our mechanical loading capacity, et cetera. And, um, you know, do we need to necessarily run 100 mile weeks or 80 mile weeks? We're certainly not at his age. And that's what I wish somebody had guided me on at that age because I was willing to do anything and I did. And I ran myself right into the ground and I was slower when I was 18 than I was when I was 15. Wow. So, um, so, th- so this kid has gone through those uh, phases. What's the next phase for him? What's he got to look forward to? Yeah, so he, he went through what I call that spinal tap phase, which is technically a second phase. Uh-huh. And again, a lot of this you would look at on our videos. We're putting out a lot of stuff and um on instagram one minute videos you can check those kind of things out but also on our website you'll be able to see some of these videos on our main platform i'll let you talk about that a little bit more but he was doing these movements that were quite difficult for him to control his spinal position but with his eyes closed and really challenging those deeper abdominal wall muscles, for example. And again, you know, that, that seemed like, man, I'm still not picking up, uh, you know, a lot of weight. And, um, and uh, then after that, you get into your base 
phase work. Now he's quite strong, so his base phase work might be a little bit more advanced mechanically than some. Mm-hmm. But that's we actually have essentially a, a phase that focuses on all of these more, um, I say, deeper muscles. Almost think about working from the inside out more. And then by the time you get to base strength, then that's when you're looking at some of the more traditional movements that can be done. And I focused on what movements give the best bang for our buck for runners. So in general, runners are, they're lighter and that's, you know, that's a part of why they are competing and running. Um, but not all of us are, and I'm actually not very light for for somebody who runs the kind of paces and distances I run so I can use that strength to my advantage but in general what I look at is let's find what our reps in reserve are versus our rate of perceived effort in this base phase and let's take those numbers and from there let's try to start to go into more dynamic effort so now we start to go for you can think of it as faster speed um, strength mechanics, right? So we we work on our our rate of perceived effort versus our reps in reserve, and getting very confident and comfortable with that. So you can say, let's uh, let's say the Bulgarian lunge, and you're doing that with, uh, let's say you build up to a. 100 pound dumbbell, which one of my athletes just tested at that 100 pound dumbbell in one hand. And it's essentially the Bulgarian is like a single leg um, squat in the sense your back leg is elevated, but in a very mechanically advantageous position for running. So then we can say, okay, that's his max effort weight. And now we should actually go lighter than that, but faster. And then eventually into plyometrics, which is the power phase. Mm -hmm. So, you know, essentially we have our base phase in traditional training, then our strength phase, and then our power phase. We all really care about that power phase per performance. And whether you realize it or not, right? I have an 80-year-old athlete that I still work with. And yes, I think of him as an athlete. And he, he, uh, he loves to hunt. So that's his main drive. But all of the principles are the same. He's hiking long distances and he's carrying, um, you know, gear and a pack and all that stuff. He's got to have really good endurance. And at the same time, he's got to be, you know, very optimal with his breathing positions so that he does not run out of air when he's climbing those mountains, et cetera. He's got to be able to stop, for example, and still control his breathing very right, quickly. He's going to fire that gun or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, this is what I'm saying. Like most people, actually, I believe that they should be following um, a gait pattern type of program because they're still walking uh, when they're in their 80s and 90s, et cetera. And those patterns are the same as running. We just, when we're running now, we're trying to do it with more force and faster. So yeah. he he's looking at optimizing his positions with as much power as, much power economy really as possible. So in other words, how many of us really need to do a one rep max on something? It's not really necessary for 99.9% of our life, 
right? So what we really want to look at to me is what is our power economy like and how can we maximize that? And that's what the program really looks at and does. Um, and I'd finish with this. The main difference, I think, between training endurance uh, runners, okay, versus like a sprinter, 100-meter runner, or let's say um, my basketball player or something like that, they are going to be eventually going into, let's say, three times their body weight in a deadlift for somebody like a sprinter or an Allison Felix type of athlete. Mm-hmm. And her mass uh, specific force program, she it's it's pretty well known that she was lifting, I believe, three times her body weight um, just just before she ran the fastest 200 meter time in the world. With a distance runner, they should be lifting relatively heavy, but a little bit more repetitions and not getting as close to a one rep max because that's what's more relative for power economy. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what the revolves around the program. And really, as you go through the stages, what I also love about it is that we phases, phases, phases. Yeah. Oh yeah. Through that, through the phases is that you are learning more and more about yourself and how you perform and how it relates to your performances. So eventually you get to really pick and choose like this movement, this, this particular Bulgarian, uh, squat that I do really increases my force production. I can feel the difference, but more importantly, I can see the difference, right? Here's my pacing at a certain heart rate. And now six weeks later, here's my same pacing, same course, and uh, the heart rate is now lower, right? I'm not working as hard. Sure. So those are the kind of things that we work towards. And I just tell people that I think you should plan on doing a program like this for not just a week or six weeks or even six months, but going through a program like this, it takes a while for that evolution to, to really um, get mastered. So it might be a two-year process before you are at your optimal goals, but you will certainly see a lot of benefit in just even the first few weeks, few months like that. So, you know, we want to have everybody course doing our program that's you know that that's i'm biased but i think <laughs> but but we want everybody at least having the right information to choose what's optimal for for them and um and finding that process that works for each person you know so everybody has a different um path and there are different movements that i think are more optimal for some than others. And that gets into your biomechanics. How long is your femur length, for example, in your, in your uh, thigh, right. Versus somebody else who might have a shorter femur length, but a, um, a much longer torso. Right. And those are things that you'll learn in the program. Um, you know, what, what position is best for me to maximize my biomechanics. And, um, then I should probably do more of that and get really good (laughs) at that. Right. Uh, so, um, so I'm not stuck on any one movement and I give, uh, variations for people to choose from in the phases. I'm very passionate about that so that they can, they can feel the differences from one movement to the, to the next and choose what's best. Sure. Sure. So how do people find this uh, this program, Chad? I'll leave that part to you. Oh, thanks. Well, um, they should follow us on Instagram or uh, Facebook. We're at Pendola uh, Project. Um, they can find us online at pendolaproject.com. Uh, and then that uh, that website will lead you to our online training 
platform. Yeah, man, I love it. And so guys, we really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with your friends and anybody that you think could benefit from this type of information. You can share it with your enemies too, if you want. Yeah, please, uh, please do. <laughs> um, if, you know, with your enemies, you know, share the influencing out there, share that right. instead. Uh, no, but if, if you do want to try this out. It is free to join and eventually like anything else. First seven else, days. First seven days are free, but that'll get you, you should be able to do the self-assessment and understand what your protocol is going to be and, and try it out for a day or two or, or four and, and see what you think of the movements and how it fits your body. And, and if you think it's going to help your mechanics. That's right. You know, the only thing that I would say there to finish with this is that if you're going to try this out, certainly have an open mind about starting with those basics yeah, and getting past the fact that, uh, you know, look, I've had, again, world champions that have trusted this process and said, you know, this, this is not what I normally do. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> and, and I just went through this with, uh, one of the athletes that is going to the 2021 Olympics and the first six weeks or so she was, I think a little bit nervous that she wasn't doing enough by starting with the basics. And yes, I had her start with the basics and work through that. And, and then that, we, and that's starting with self-assessment going into the protocol progression. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and now we are doing what I refer to as kind of contrast training where she will do something, a heavier load, put that weight down and then do something explosive. Mm -hmm. And I talked about steering the hips before it's, I, I am honestly blown away with the differences in her positions and how she can control her hip positions now. And that is something that I think she's feeling now, or I know she is. And so that is the difference now. How do you feel about it? Because her confidence is quickly rising and the, the sessions that we can do now are so much more effective than if we just jumped that six weeks ago. Right. Right. I think it is important for people to realize that no matter what level you are, whether you're a beginner, whether you're been running for years and years and years, whether you're with pain or without pain, whether you're a high level athlete, uh, in high school or college or professional or whatever, that going back to those basics, not just when you start this new program, but retesting those basics, um, uh, in the self-assessment that that stuff is really, really, really important and don't blow through it. Don't, you know, as you always say, leave your ego at the door and, and just get down to doing the work that's going to be best for your biomechanics. Yeah, man. That's what's relative. That's what's relative. That's our, that's, that's our closing uh, phrase now. So spread the word. That's what's relative, right? So thanks, guys. I appreciate you listening. We appreciate you listening. And uh, I also want to just put out there that Chad is now a business partner with this program. And we haven't always had the right tech support, the right artist I, the right manager behind all of this. Now we do, along with Bill Rogers, who you will hear on the podcast soon. So we have an incredible team and I know we can do what is going to serve you best. So get on board, get on the bus, baby. <laughs> <laughs>